Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Susan DeFranza, President and CEO of Douglas Elliman Development Marketing. And it's an honor to be here today, moderating the sixth installment of Uniquely Yours, our ongoing series of conversations about the extraordinary and unique elements in the residential developments in the Douglas Elliman Development Marketing's nationwide portfolio. Today, it is a true privilege to present Beckford House and Tower, comprised of two complementary residential buildings and designed by AD100 design firm, Studio Sofield. It perfectly blends classic and contemporary in a historic New York setting on Manhattan's coveted Upper East Side. Joining us this afternoon to discuss this iconic design of these two residential condominiums are William Sofield, principal of Studio Sofield, and Emma O'Neill, Vice President of Studio Sofield. Thank you both so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you. Thanks, Susan. Let's begin with you, Bill. I've had such a pleasure and opportunity to work with you on another extraordinary property located at 111 West 57th Street in Midtown Manhattan. Can you please share with our um, audience today your background, the history of your acclaimed design firm, Studio Sofield? Uh, certainly. Um, well, I would, I would say in terms of our ethos, uh, we always work out of joy, and that may take many forms. But I was trained at Princeton University very, very formally, um, which was you know, very historically um, uh, grounded. But I moved to New York in the late 70s, early 80s at the height of the recession, which meant that I had a degree in architecture and urban planning and there wasn't a whole lot of urban planning being done at that point in the city, which meant we, we were very privileged to work with some extraordinary uh, resident, on residential projects of folks with incredible privilege. And what that meant was working with extraordinarily art collections. One of my earliest experiences was a, a society couple who had just come through a brutal divorce. And um, the furniture, many of it, much of it was from Versailles or equally prominent places. And it was as if somebody took a chainsaw and cut everything in half. So as an adolescent, I got to actually go to Europe and recreate the second half of every piece. So if there was one nightstand and it was gilded and was Marie Antoinette's, we had to duplicate it exactly. Or if there was a, um, a brocade with a three foot repeat, we, we rewove it exactly. And as you know, a young 18 year old person uh, in New York that just gave me such an incredible wealth of experience. Um, after that, I, uh, after many projects, I it was an old Italian mill worker, Nazio, who whispered under his breath, Princeton, hmm, that door is going to warp out in less than two weeks. And I took him to heart and uh, he welcomed me into an Italian woodworking company when that was located on the Upper East Side, oddly enough, when that was, when that was possible. And um, I apprenticed there for five years doing design build. And what that gave me was an incredible sense of the respect for craft and, and technique. And I think we've been very fortunate in our 
what Emma, 35 years of working together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes. From so, both. Yeah, working with you truly is like reading a storybook. I mean, you're so passionate about what you do. And Emma, the two of you are such a dynamic duo. So Emma, please share your experience working with Bill and how you joined the firm. Well, I, I joined Bill in the 80s um, at that mill workshop in the Upper East Side with the craftsmen. Um, we spent a summer, I was a student of architecture in Dublin. And I, I came over for a few summers running, working for Bill and we worked Primarily, at least for me, I was working on the Rylander Mansion, the Ralph Lauren store, um, redoing all the millwork with this craftsperson who taught me and Bill everything we know. Um, and then I think you saw on some of the slides that were shown earlier, a lot of the retail work that we did um, when this firm started in the 90s. Um, and that was alongside the residential work. We're, we're really known, we were known at that time for this retail projects. And what was fascinating to me as, you know, sort of formally trained architect um, was really trying to get into the skin of, and the DNA of each brand that we worked with. And that was super training for any architect. You really learn to listen to the client. You really learn about deadlines and budgets, um, realistic firm uh, deadlines. And then understanding how you were really there to uh, create an atmosphere for the store. It wasn't about your work. It was about the product, which I, f I feel, I think Bill and I feel very strongly that um, that leads really well into residential work where it's really a client's home and it's not our personality yeah. that needs to shine. It, it was kind of a, a, an odd thing in that we got into retail because we were doing um, Ralph Lauren's personal work uh, early on. And we also, I mean, whether it was Tom Ford or Ralph, we just had such a luxury of working with such talented, inspirational people. And, you know, Mr. Lauren was such a great listener as well as being inspiring. And it was really through uh, working on his residences that we kind of got through the back door and ended up doing retail because he, he'd said, well, why don't my stores feel as beautiful as my home? And we, Emma and I had the, the techniques under our belt. Well, it's you know, there's a polyurethane coating over this, what it really, a true English polish, uh, you know, you need to raise the grain, rub it with black ash, you shellac. And so we were able to bring all those craft techniques to retail and somehow we ended up doing, you know, retail design, but we worked with such incredibly talented designers and Tom Ford and we still work with, with Tom Ford and the folks at Harry Winston as well. Well, it's clearly apparent all of work that your firm has done, both retail and residential, have this incredible glamour, yet this sophistication and seamless comfort and comfortability and approachability, which is what I believe has been so successfully done at Beckford Tower. So I'm- Well, that, that's kind of a, an important point um, in that I always, or we, Emma and I always approach something from a position of insecurity. So when we do retail design, first of all, we watch a lot. We just sit and watch behaviorally for maybe two weeks before we even think about designing and see the human interactions. And then we also understand in, in the retail case of that as a home. Yeah, the folks who work in that store live there, you know, 12 hours a day 
And then also understanding, you know, when people are trying on clothes, they're at their most vulnerable. They're, you know, not sure if they look good in that. And so I think born of that is two things. One, an incredible compassion and kindness that we bring, because uh, I do think all bad behavior is based in insecurity and a real practical understanding of how things need to function. And we, in that respect, we don't really distinguish very much between um, our larger scale commissions and residential, because I think in some ways we, we view everything as residential. I think a couple of hints for the parents on this, um, in this audience today, bad behavior stems from insecurities. <laughs> so really all good kids. That's an interesting um, concept. So let's segue into these two extraordinary buildings, Beckford House and Tower. And if you can share how your partnership began with ownership icon and how you met Terrence Lowenberg and Todd Cohen and what that dynamic was like. Um, well, it was it was through mutual friends. I, I think you know we our firm is very quiet uh, and or has been traditionally very quiet. And so really all of our um, professional connections are really word of mouth, uh, people quietly liking our work and uh, we work very discreetly. And so they really came uh, introduced to us through through friend through mutual friends. And what was it, and I'm sure many things, that excited you both about working on these properties? Well, it, it was a chance to, to, work, to work on a neighborhood. And I, I think we may, have, you know, we may have mentioned that at 1.0 you know, throughout. We'd done the uh, 135 East 79th Street, which we were very, very happy with. It was a joyous collaboration. And, you know, I carved the espaliers on the outside of the door myself. And um, it, was, it was such a nice collaboration and uh, credited with reinvention of gray brick, <laughs> which, um, and, you know, also things that I didn't realize how technically difficult it was to make a hand-laid building um, in this day and age. So there was also the, the real challenge of, how to make a crafted building in a, you know, in an environment that wants panelization and quick to rise and quick to sell. Uh, you know, doing a hand-laid building, hand-laid masonry building is a real commitment. So uh, I think we we set the bar very high with, with uh, 79th Street. And I, I certainly think uh, you know, Terrence and Todd were aware of that when when approaching us to do the the Second Avenue building. Oh, indeed, you set the bar high, and I'm fortunate to live uh, just a block away from 135 East 79th, and it was immediately uh, recognized as one of the most stunning, sophisticated properties that looked like it was there forever, but twinkled with this newness. So and that's, and I would say that's, you know, when you've been at it as long as we have, I think there can be a certain egolessness. <laughs> to the process where, you know, we had a design which was very avant-garde for the building as well that we could have done. And it just didn't seem right for the neighborhood. And ultimately our egos aren't so big that it needed to be about us more than the people who lived in the building and, and the neighborhood surrounding it. So, uh, 
you know, it, it really grew up out of its environment and that was the appeal of the Beckford House and Tower as well. Well, at Douglas Elliman Development Marketing, our entire team was thrilled for the opportunity to collaborate with ownership at ICON and with you at Studio Sofield. Um, and again, I'm the happy recipient living right in the middle of Beckford House and Tower and 135 East 79th Street. And Beckford House and Tower has forever changed the way the Upper East Side looks and how people enjoy it and aspire to be there. So it's clear that the craftsmanship and the details and the layering of both these properties are just extraordinary. And I know this is your passion, um, which you've talked about before, but if you could just share with us a little bit more why the artisans that you selected are the ones that you selected and a little bit more about that collaboration and integration. Um, we always work with artisans and craftspeople. And for me, again, it was the origin was the stone and the brick. Um, there are things that are very subliminal, which has to do with the plane in which glass is set in the wall. And as you well know, being in the industry, uh, people like pushing the glass out as far as possible because that means more sellable uh, square footage. And it's a big commitment for a developer to reduce the overall footprint to create a beautiful skin. And traditional buildings had thickness and you know, the walls were substantial. Uh, also, again, a very, very subliminal thing, but we hand cast all of the bricks to have a shape at the corner on, on the tower. Um, yeah, work, working with clay models, love it, still get out the plasticine. Um, so it was very important for us to have something that, that really was unusual for this, for this era. We, the limestone we did was it was a combination of Bryn brownstone and limestone and granite. Uh, you can see in this image, the various shading. All of that was not by chance. Each, each, uh, each stone was tagged and chosen for that location. Everything was drawn. Um, the chatson itself is a very, very old technique, a way of dressing the limestone in which it's actually a water blade. So a big metal saw going back and forth and buckshot is actually thrown into the blade. So the limestone shatters along uh, the, you know, because limestone is a sedimentary rock. So the riverbeds laid it down in a certain direction and it shatters the stone along those lines, which is a very poetic way of finishing stone. Now that hasn't been done in this country in a very long time. So uh, resurrecting those craft techniques, we were talking about other people we worked with jam who's an incredible, um, who does incredible stonework for, for mantelpieces in London. They do uh, you know, all of the, the work at you know, Grand Homes and Buckingham Palace when, when, uh, when things need to be renovated and mapped. So the fireplaces in the building are, are from them. So I think masonry above all is really the, is the, uh, you know, the star of the show, the show here. It, it, which is something that's visible to everybody, even if you're not a homeowner, which I think was, you know, big part of our intent was to create buildings that uh, the neighborhood could appreciate and would age really well um, to add value to this neighborhood, which is, is a lovely neighborhood. And it's a very um, contained, self-contained 
area of the city. You don't have to go through there if you don't live there. It feels like a lovely, quiet backwater, quite European sensibility, which um, I think affected our, some of our design choices too. Indeed. Aging well is a very important thing for Emma and I at this point in our career. Mine as well. I share that with you. <laughs> but as far as but, but it's it's true. We want we wanted to use materials that will look better with age. There are a lot of buildings that look wonderful the, their first day, and then because of the the way their craft are weathered, they start to look pretty tawdry uh, within five years. And so. Our hope here was that they really would improve with age as they, as they kind of patina down. Well, they certainly are. And Emma, just to touch a little bit more about the neighborhood in the Upper East Side. I was born and raised here. I've moved to other locations throughout New York City, which I love, but I'm back on the Upper East Side. And this is truly still one of the most coveted neighborhoods in all of New York City, arguably the world. And these two properties have changed the complexion of the Upper East Side neighborhood forever. And it's fantastic because as a resident being in real estate, it's wonderful to see how developers now are following in your suit and looking to create really, really beautiful properties for everyone in the neighborhood to enjoy. So mm -hmm. thank you. I, I feel very privileged to be a recipient of that. Um, so I know there's so much to talk about at Beckford House and Tower. And perhaps let's talk about, we've talked about the beauty from the outside and let's talk about what the experience is for the lucky homeowners who live here and some of the incredible attributes of the apartment interiors and what makes them truly different. Do you want to speak to that, Emma? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, it's funny. We, we start designing at multiple scales, but we certainly start with furniture plans. And uh, Bill always jokes that he, he'll start to design a city by designing the, the hardware first. So uh, we're really starting at many, many scales, but the furniture plan creating um, the, the right proportion of window to wall um, we find with our residential clients, they have art collections. So just making sure that there's uh, functional walls for art, um, you know, despite the views, you, you definitely want to have your views and your, your inside outside terraces, um, but uh, creating rooms that can be furnished um, is a, obviously part of the, the brief. Bill? Uh, also, again, it's, there's something about old New York buildings that they've been screwed up over the years. And they've been screwed, you know, because architects like to make things symmetrical. That's the way they are. They can't help themselves. But if you look at some of the really grand buildings, they've been mucked up over the years. Windows change from apartment to apartment. Somebody was obviously really wealthy in 1939 and carved out a terrace where two symmetrical windows had been. And so it's a little perverse, the narrative, but I kind of built that into it from the start. So imagining, well, this building started all you know, off symmetrically, but if I own this apartment, what would I want to have wanted to do to it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it accelerated the process. And so if you look at it, there are lots of, of balanced asymmetries, but it's like, just because we have a window like this here, doesn't mean on the other side of the building, if the view is different, the window has to be the same. 
And so that also begins to um, also begins to differentiate what the who lives in what apartment. So what's nice about it is from the street, you can point to a window and say, I live there, <laughs> which I think is really nice. So if, again, if you look at the upper, you know, the upper part of this, this slide, um, there's nothing really symmetrical about it, or, or there are symmetries, but they certainly are offset by, you know, these incredible terraces. And um, <clears throat> what did Emerson say? It was a, a foolish consistency as the hobgoblin of little minds. So um, <clears throat> we thought it was important that to really take every apartment, look at it on its own, maximize that, and we will figure out a facade that looks beautiful with it. <clears throat> I think it's also extraordinary inside, outside. about these two um, sister buildings. They were conceived to be um, symbiotic and each of them occupies a prime southeast corner on the Upper East Side with Bedford Tower being at 301 East 80th Street mm -hmm. and Bedford House at 301 East 81st. Both corner sites allow for extraordinary open vistas and beautiful, beautiful light. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to suggest we focus on um, each tower, the house and the tower, and while they are very similar, what are, what are the differences in each of uh, the tower and the house? Well, you know, the way it, it came about is we originally just, we were hired to do the tower. Um, and, you know, went for drinks with Todd and Terrence and they had let me know that they also owned the brownstones next to the tower, which I didn't know. And then they, they told me that they had bought the other corner and it, but had already designed a building for it. So, um, you know, what is that Dorothy Parker phrase? I love a good martini, two at the most, three I'm under the table, four I'm under the host. So at martini number one, it was, oh, you own another building, how nice. Martini number two was showing me the building and me trying to find nice things to say about it. Martini number three was, it's hideous. And <laughs> martini number four was, we should design both towers and create this wonderful neighborhood. So we were very aware of the corner sites and that became, you know, that, those two towers and the, the, the house and the tower and the neighborhood uh, were part of it. There was no mystery. We are very, very, um, we are very thorough in our research. So we sent up drones, we sent up balloons, we sent up cameras. <laughs> so um, even this was a little pre-drone. So the first drones really, <laughs> that, that took photographs at all of the different uh, heights. And so we, were, we designed the buildings knowing exactly what views were at different levels. And, you know, it's a 33-story tall building and there's not a bad floor in it. You know, the views lower are more in the city and they're lovely. The rhythm of windows is a little different because it respects the, the, the neighboring buildings. And higher, you have these panoramic views, um, but really, it was all the windows were distributed according to what the the photography was that we did the research on. Which is also a useful thing. I mean, working to design apartments that on paper might have the same square footage, a number of bedrooms, a number of bathrooms, but really creating unique homes so that as a, as a as real estate seller, you're not 
competing against yourself. There's really only two floor, floor plans that you would need to bring any client to that are just right for them, just right for their program. Um, so instead of having 33 floors of the exact same apartment, we really have a great mix. Um, well, that's a very important um, factor. And I'm glad that you brought that up, Emma, because it, these properties are truly intimate. And as you said, there are no more than say two or three of a kind. So it makes them extraordinarily special yet all of them have these beautiful proper entry vestibules and foyers with amazing dimensions. And as you referred to before, many of our buyers are collectors of art, but they still want the open spaces. And you've been very thoughtful and deliberate on how you designed all of these spaces for people to live in. And at Beckford House, there are only one to three residences per floor. So it truly is a very discreet and intimate environment in, in which to live. And Beckford Tower on 80th Street also has an extraordinary collection of one to six bedrooms with extraordinary views of Central Park, the East River and Midtown. And both properties sit perfectly situated between Central Park, Carl Schultz Park and the East River. So there's an abundance of activities to appreciate and realize the moment you step out of your own environment. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk a little bit more about the amenities and lifestyle that owners at Beckford House and Tower will enjoy. I can say that the properties feature over 20,000 square feet of wellness, recreation and entertaining spaces. The perfect, perfect haven for children going to neighboring schools with enough space where they have space to enjoy and be out of their parents' way, particularly in times like this where people are spending more time at home and are looking for larger spaces. So I'm just talk about that and what you were thinking about. We worked very closely with our marketing team, with you, with ownership to understand and identify the multiple and varied type of buyer demographics that would be interested in living at Beckford House and Beckford Tower. So well, if you want to elaborate upon that a bit more, thank you. Well, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll kind of back up and just tell you the trajectory of how it happened. Because, you know, the amenities started out very ample, but, you know, they made sense. They were just, you know, they were, they were, um, appropriate to the scale of the building. And I designed a gym that was gorgeous, very kind of old athletic club. I designed a beautiful pool that's, you know, was very intimate. And I said, well, maybe, you know, why don't we, why don't we push you a little further? <laughs> and then at one point, somebody made the mistake of saying the sky's the limit. And so we ended up with a full half court basketball court, which I only see as a party space. You know, I'm not a big basketball player. So all I see is, you know, disco, perfect place for, for a large party. Um, but the swimming pool, we really did outdo ourselves. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, look at that. <laughs> um, so, and you know, again, this is classic studio so field. Um, if you look at the cornice, um, What's holding it up are little seahorses. Uh, you know, the this, this screen at, on axis there is cast glass with cast glass angelfish and bronze tile. That, you know, it's, 
you know, to look to the left, that's a very elaborate art mosaic uh, depicting divers and swimmers. So, you know, this is, this is a pool that you would imagine would be in a very glamorous European hotel. And here it is in this building. So uh, at, every, at every point, we were just pushed to take it one step further. And um, it's a rare opportunity. Like, look, yeah, this, so we, we, our, our design sessions were in Temple Bar. And we sort of said, well, wouldn't it be nice to have kind of a Temple Bar here? Of course, Temple Bar sadly no longer exists, but that was the origin of this room. Wouldn't it be nice to have a place that could be a lounge in the daytime, but you could go down and have a cocktail in, in the evening and not have to leave the building. And especially in days of COVID now, we, you know, we hadn't anticipated that, but it's really nice. Um, and there's the, in the distance there was the, there was the piano. Uh, there's a little piano lounge, which would be great fun. You can see the bar on the left, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's nice. I mean, to have kind of your intimate corner bar in your, <laughs> uh, just down one story, story down from the lobby really harkens back to you know, old, little old English hotels, I think, that have those you know, little private nooks. And the, the event, you know, the party room uh, is very, very glamorous too, which is a nice amenity to have in the building. The spaces are extraordinary and thoughtfully designed and there's something for everyone from the younger children to the teenagers and to the adults, all these beautiful respites that you can enjoy by yourself or with your neighbors and friends. So we were super, super excited this past fall when we were able to get into Bedford House and start closings, um, which was back in October. And we unveiled the new model residence, a gorgeous four bedroom featuring over 25,000 square feet and it has been so extraordinarily received in the marketplace that we only have a handful of residences to sell. Isn't that amazing? That makes it feel good. It's extraordinary, but not surprising to me. <laughs> These properties are really rare once in a lifetime offerings. And it's a credit to ICON, the developers who realized and were open to us pushing the envelope. They understood what they had here and you as designers, as creative artists and what they would deliver. And I know they're very proud and we're all very proud collectively as a team. So would you share with us the thought process in designing this model residence? Um, as we can see here in the image, it's quite extraordinary. And everyone, please take notice of the symmetry of the windows of the open vistas. It's really quite extraordinary. Well, you know, I, I don't believe or never have believed in projections. You know, I always said that graphs and pie charts can tell you what's happened, but they don't predict the future. So we didn't design this for the idea of a you know, target audience. We were of the, well, if I were living here, how would I like to, <laughs> to live? And I always think if you're intuitive enough and you've got your finger on, on the pulse, then you think, well, maybe somebody else would like to live like this too. So. Um, we never do anything premeditated. Pre so we, you know, this is a combination of things that we had custom made or collected. And, you know, I, I, I have something about, you know, I, I don't like things to feel too designed too. I, you know, it's nice 
to have an environment that isn't so rigorous that you can't bring things from your past. <laughs> I think some, some designs are so, you know, are so rigid that they really don't allow, they're, they're very prescribed interiors. And so our hope in doing this was, or was to show people how much life and energy uh, could be in, in this, this space. Um, you know, in designing, very, designing yeah. a model, you know, you're, you're typically having a, a couple coming through, or at least um, more than one person who might be buying the apartment or having an effect on the purchase. So you want to make sure that it's appealing to a variety of tastes without it being so bland that it has no personality of its own. Um, so I think both the architecture, interior architecture and the decoration that we did is in, has enough detail that it takes it out of being a purely modern design, but it's not so overwrought that somebody who likes modern would find it overwhelming, um, which is it's a hard balance to, to meet. Um, and yet at the same time giving a personality to the apartment, but I think we, we did it here. You absolutely did. And I think that's a really important factor also that you bring up. The bones, the design, everything is this timeless, effortless glamour. And Bill, you've made reference to European hotels. When you step into some of these spaces, that's what you feel like. But Emma, to your point, the canvas is open for anyone's design if they prefer more of a pre-war aesthetic or something a bit contemporary. The backgrounds are just suitable for all types of buyers. Mm -hmm. So that's what is also added to the extraordinary success of this property. And they're responding to both buildings equal in kind. Um, the tower on 80th Street as a more robust amenity package. So we have seen some more families buying there. However, there are families still purchasing in the house. The Upper East Side has always been a very desirable location for families with children, yet also for empty nesters. I guess that was, you were saying, you just brought that up. I guess I was always thinking that 81st Street has a quietness. At one point, I think Todd or Terrence asked me which building I would want to live in. And I was hard pressed to decide because I think initially it was thought that, you know, 81st Street was so much smaller, but I think there's an intimacy to 81st Street, which is really, really lovely as you can, as you can see here. Um, and I, I would think it would be a perfect, in my imagination, it was a great apartment building for empty nesters. Yeah, for sure. So we were very proud when the Wall Street Journal reported that we had achieved over 125 million in sales in just two months. A true testament no. <laughs> to the pandemic to see such extraordinary sales, but seeing is believing. And we knew that the dream was incredible when we were in your studio several years ago, but it's always so much better when the reality is even better than the dream. And that's not mm -hmm. always the case, but here it is. So it's an extraordinary opportunity for- and Isn't that screen gorgeous, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> that, that's a really spectacular screen. So again, we have such a love for all the objects in the place too. We, you know, we like to furnish these things as, as homes, not as <laughs> long. So you know, each, each object is, uh, is uh, 
picked for its uniqueness. Well, it goes back to how I believe you're a storyteller and you can see the passion, the love, the happiness that you both derive from your designs and your passion for what you do. And it's clear that buyers are appreciating all of the details and the time and thought that you have put into both of these properties. Um, I think we're close to wrapping up, but I would like to share a sneak peek for those of you that in the next several months, we will be unveiling and launching a full floor penthouse residence at Beckford Tower. And we urge you to reach out to our sales team to schedule an appointment and please come visit our properties. We have model residences in both towers that truly are extraordinary with various different design themes. And Bill and Emma, I don't know if you have anything further to add this afternoon, but it's always a pleasure working with you, chatting with you, having a cocktail with you, because as I said, it's like opening up an enchanted- Well, I'm sorry we didn't get to see each other at Art Basel. <laughs> well, there's this always- year, But perhaps next. Next year. We all see a lot of light, including this beautiful light flooded residence in front of us. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the end of our conversation today. And I want to thank our guests, Bill Sofield and Emma O'Neill for such a lively and engaging conversation. In addition to this online conversation, Beckford House and Tower will be showcased over the course of the next couple of weeks on multiple advertising and social media channels. Additionally, both properties will be featured on Element Insider, our widely read digital magazine. This broadcast will also be available for replay on the Element podcast channel on iTunes. Those of you who have registered will receive an overview of this important project from Folio with high resolution renderings, photographs, floor plans, unit availability and pricing that can be easily shared with your customers anywhere around the world. Thank you all for joining us this afternoon. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.